Welcome to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast. I'm your host, Jake Hirschman, and here with Jeffrey Guin, um, Senior Associate AD for Academic Affairs at the University of Florida. And this is the partnership with the University of Florida Sports Management Program featuring sports business insights from the Gator Nation. Now, Jeff, I, I, I do want to start off with you are a triple Gator, which I'm sure is not too uh, common around your neck of the woods, but being a triple Gator, uh, having uh, a career path that we'll dive into, and then ultimately being able to come back to your alma mater, I would imagine is pretty special. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Thanks, Jake. Thanks for having me. And uh, that's the first time I've ever been referred to as a triple Gator, but that's, I never thought of it that way. It's pretty cool. <laughs> well, you know, when you have three degrees, right? Yeah. <laughs> so too good of a time and didn't want to leave. So that's exactly right. Um, you know, you were, you weren't there for 10 years of school, but, but at least what, five, six. Yes. Yes. I, I went to junior college for the first couple of years because I, I wanted to play college basketball in the worst way. And that was about my only shot because I wasn't very talented and I was lucky to walk on there. And then, uh, but then eventually my playing days were done and I moved on to Florida. So once you, once you left Gainesville and the Gator Nation, where did you go? And, you know, you've got an interesting career path, obviously right now overseeing academic affairs in the athletic department, but you started off as a basketball coach. Yep. Um, I was, when I came to University of Florida, I was a student manager for Lon Kruger and was here for my first three years. He was here as the head coach. And then when he left, he went to University of Illinois. And after that, um, Coach Donovan came in and I was head manager for him for his first year. I like to think I helped him lay that foundation that he built over the next 20 years. Um, but no, he obviously did all that himself. But the uh, opportunity after I finished my um, second grad program came along and I'd actually accepted a position to coach and teach in high school and back in my hometown in Fort Walton Beach. And at the time I was ready to go do that. And then position opened on Coach Kruger's staff to um, be as a administrative assistant coach, which basically was a fancy title for you were the video guy created all the video edits and so forth and everything and um jumped to that opportunity and went up to university of illinois in 1997. and once you went up to illinois you know being in the in the basketball program on and off the court every day what were some of the things that you learned about um, that part of the industry that not only drove you to start in it but then eventually hop into the academic side you know what, um, when I was there, you know, obviously I'm learning about basketball. I want to be a basketball coach, and so I'm learning all those things on the court. The things that amazed me that I was exposed to was what was happening off the court, um, seeing the meetings with our, with our marketing team and, and event management, just what all goes into the production of a basketball game at, you know, in the Big Ten level or Power Five level, such as Florida or other SEC schools. Um, just the details. I mean, we were always meeting once a week to go over the games, upcoming games and what was going to happen in those games. And from the marketing side and from our booster program development and who was going to be there and making sure that they were aware of that and just the, all the different avenues that were there. Just it amazed me all the different areas production of one basketball game. Um, and then uh, from there was fortunate, you know, when Coach Kruger was there for three years, he left to go on to uh, the NBA and, and next coach came in, uh, Bill Self, and I was fortunate to stay on with him and his staff and see how he did things. And he kind of took it to another level, more so than Coach Kruger did in regards to, uh, he was wanting to make sure we created an even better environment. And that's when I kind of got more involved with that part of it and seeing all that, the planning that went into place. And I remember when they first created our first orange out game and 
the details and making sure they laid out all the t-shirts and just, just little things like that. And you saw all the people that it took to do those kinds of things and the support that goes into it was uh, pretty interesting. Well, you know, when they talk about coaching trees and, you know, who, who fell under, you know, which coach and where they went. And I mean, Lon Kruger, Bill Self, Billy Donovan, that's not a bad list to be a part of. Yeah, it shows you. I, I must not know what I was doing because I didn't make it. <laughs> very long and everything but no I, I felt very fortunate to work for all those people and um, just and met a lot of great people along with them including the rest of their staff with their assistants and so forth so and then you got into you know the the academic affairs side right as you were talking about the, the support staff that was needed and you know we're able to um, go to UAB and and Texas A&M and then obviously mm -hmm. back to your alma mater now but um, talk about the the progression of of kind of what you needed to do in order to establish yourself in that area of the business. Um, mm -hmm. And then we'll dive into some of the insights that you've got uh, in that world. Sure. Um, my last coaching stop was an assistant coach at Florida Atlantic and the head coach I was working for at that time, Rex Walters, took the head job at the University of San Francisco. And uh, as, as expensive as Boca Raton was, San Francisco was a whole nother level. And I thought I was a good recruiter, but I couldn't convince my wife and along with our two twins that were two and a half years old and she was pregnant with her third to move out there to San Francisco and live in family housing on campus. And she's like, no, we're not doing that. Um, look for some other coaching opportunities. Nothing really came my way. And at that point, then I had to make a decision. I was like, okay, you know, I want to stay in athletics, but not as if it's not going to be in coaching, what role do I want to do it in? You know, and I kind of went through thinking about all the different areas that I've been exposed to and looking at development and compliance and game management operations and facilities and and I kind of landed on academics I, I kind of I can't I just kept coming back to that and even when I was coaching I would have never ever envisioned myself working in academics and I was just like no there's no way I would do that and when I was ready to get out of coaching and make that transition at that time this was in 2008 the uh, opportunity to go back up to the University of Illinois where I'd started had opened up because there was an academic council position there and kind of jumped at it because I saw it as a role that would still in a way you're still coaching student athletes and you're still having that day-to-day -day interaction with them and the first two teams I was assigned to was uh, softball and uh, wrestling and I, I want so those were two very unique things because one I'd never been around a wrestling team or a wrestling program or watched a wrestling match and then two I had never worked I have never worked with female student athletes at that point and um, it was great I enjoyed both sides of it uh, the wrestling, I quickly learned from the coach inviting me over to one of the early practices. I said, Jeff, why don't you come watch one of our practices, see what you think. And I was just like, holy smokes, these kids go harder than any other sport I've ever seen. And everything, it was just amazing just to see the, the intensity that they had to go. And then I started thinking about it. Well, it makes sense. You know, whenever you wrestled your friends or your brother, you were always exhausted after two minutes and, and everything. And so, I mean, these guys are going for two or three hours and everything. But, um, and then on the, with the women's softball, uh, I enjoyed that just because it was just a different perspective working with a female student athlete and everything. And um, after my first year kind of getting settled in, um, I realized this is what I want to do. And I wanted to stay in this area. And I, I wanted to try to maybe move up in administration, get maybe bigger administrative opportunities. And, and on top of that, my wife said I was driving her crazy because like for the first time after getting out of coaching, I really had like a nine to five, eight to five job where I wasn't going out recruiting, leaving all the time, going for games and so forth. And um, I thought, well, what can I help do to help distance myself, separate myself from others if I'm trying to apply for those director's jobs for academics? Um, I was like, well, I wasn't a famous coach or student athlete or not that you have to be, but I just was trying to think, okay, what can I do? And I started looking at different avenues 
And I was fortunate at the University of Illinois, they offered employee um, tuition reimbursement program. And so I applied to the doctoral program there and was accepted. And, and five years later, finally earned that degree. And I felt like that was something that definitely helped me as I started making those transitions along the way and getting those opportunities that, um, as you mentioned, at UAB and then Texas A&M and then finally at University of Florida. So when you, when you mentioned the doctoral program, that's not necessarily the first thing that comes to mind with, uh, with someone's career path choice, because it's, like you said, it took quite a while. And it's that extra layer of education that um, a lot probably think, well, I don't need my doctorate unless I'm gonna go teach, right? Mm -hmm. um, there's, there's, there's like those very specific needs for why you need that degree. And so you going and getting that what was your thought process behind the separation aspect of, you know, you having that in, in your sector of the industry? Like, did you look at people that were, you know, at the top of your field and go, this is what they've done. This is, this is how they got there. Uh, and that was a common thread or was it just, you got down to your options, A, B, C, and that was D and, and A, B, and C didn't work. Um, you know, I, I did look around a little bit. I mean, the person I was working for had been at Illinois for a while in the position as director and did not have his doctorate. Um, kind of looked at some other places. Some places did, some places didn't. It just, I think it, I don't know if it's, it's not necessarily mandatory, but I said, but I thought one, it could help separate me. You know, when you, when you got your resumes in the stack there and everything's equal, I figured, well, it can't hurt. That's for sure. If I have a, doc, you know, if I have a um, doctor next to my name. The other thing too is I like to be challenged, you know, and getting out of coaching, you have that day-to-day -day challenge of, you know, trying to figure out how to get better every day. And this was something that was going to be a challenge for me. I hadn't been in school for almost, oh gosh, it had been um, 12 years by the time I started. And so I remember that first class writing that, having to write a paper again for the first time and thinking, oh my gosh, I mean, getting the rust off, that was tough and everything and going through the read-ins and so forth. But I did feel like it was something at the end of the day, I said, this can help separate my resume when it's in that stack and everything. Cause I felt like I do have a unique background for this industry, typically on the academic side of academic support. There's not many coaches coming over to this side. And what was a benefit for me, I felt was, you know, in this position, you're working with student athletes, but you're also working with coaches on a day-to-day -day basis. And a lot of times I, I would see, especially when I was on the coaching side that Sometimes in academics, they just didn't have a feel. And it was the same for the coaches. We didn't have a feel for what the academic people were dealing with, you know, whether it was on campus with situations or with student athletes. And I kind of could bridge the gap there. I could understand all the different perspectives that were involved when working with a student athlete. You know, I've worked with trainers and nutritionists as a coach and still do as an academic person. But now I was just kind of bringing it all together. I'd, I'd worked in all those different areas. I was familiar with all of them. And so could understand everybody's perspective, which I, I felt was pretty helpful in that respect. So um, once I got that, once I was getting close to finish my doctorate, I applied for my first director's job. At, actually, I applied first at South Alabama and uh, got an interview, went down there, felt it went good, didn't get it, but it was a good experience just get going through that process and seeing the questions that they asked and, and really think, okay, you know what, I need to really think about what is my vision, what is my philosophy for leading the team and also for, you know, for academic support and everything. So when that next opportunity came along, which was a year later, UAB and uh, felt prepared for it and was fortunate it worked out. So you mentioned leading a team and, and ultimately the academic support for, you know, a lot of different student athletes um, from a lot of different sports, all walks of life, um, different majors, right different subject matters uh, I'm sure you ran into a thing or two along the way where you're like 
man, you're in engineering and I, I don't know how to help you on this one. Or, you know, you, you need to go talk to so-and-so. But, um, you know, from a staff perspective, you, you mentioned, obviously, you got your start as the academic counselor. So you've got to have counselors. You've got to have um, different support staff in there. Kind of give us a, a high-level overview of what your department looks like, um, who's involved, and kind of how it works. Gotcha. The, uh, you know, here at Florida, we're very fortunate to have a pretty robust staff. And uh, when, you, when you think about it, it kind of breaks up in three areas. You know, the first area you mentioned is academic advising. And we have nine full-time academic advisors on, on staff. And you know, their role is one where they try to act as a liaison with the campus advisor. And, you know, the campus advisor is one that's the expert in that particular major. And whereas an academic advisor in athletics is, you have to have an, a little bit of an understanding of everything on campus. You're not gonna be the expert like the campus advisor is, and we always defer to them and everything, but you have to have a feel of what's required and, and how it works and everything. So when you're advising our student athletes who come in, um, like you said, you might work with one team as 25 student athletes, but those 25 student athletes might be in about 15, 20 different majors. And so you have to have a good feel for what's going on on campus in that area. Um, another area that we have is our learning services program. And that's um, mostly comprised of our um, four full-time learning specialists, as well as um, a director of learning services who oversees learning specialists. And then also you have a tutor coordinator who's in that, in that role and also an assistant tutor coordinator. They provide all the academic support for our student athletes. And whether, regardless if a student athlete comes in with a 4.0 or comes in at the lower end, they're all gonna need academic support in some way, whether it's tutorial, um, content tutoring, or maybe they need strategy tutoring, which helps them with their management skills and organizational skills to get prepared. Those are areas that we provide and, and the learning specialists play a vital role in that and just helping students. Um, and the third area would be our student athlete enhancement. Um, some places call it student athlete engagement, student athlete development, but it's all the same in that it's helping prepare the student athlete for life after college and life after sport more than anything. Um, when you look at that area, you're talking about career services, um, personal development, such as leadership skills, um, provide giving back to your community, community service and everything. Those are the three areas that kind of comprise, all kind of come under one umbrella within um, academic affairs for us. Um, and finally, one other area that we have is uh, we have a role in which the person acts as a liaison, kind of a eligibility coordinator, someone that helps with the student athletes when they first commit to the University of Florida, going through that admissions process, making sure they get their stuff in, not only to the University of Florida, but that they also get all the materials into the NCAA eligibility center and help track through that process and that they have all the right documents and so forth. No, that's great. And, and it's really, it's interesting to hear the the robustness of that pro, you know, just that that part of the department, and and um, you know, you mentioned you're fortunate to have a, a lot of staff, right? There's some uh, programs that might have just a few people just to do all of that, right? And um, you're managing, you know, and I think about the Ivy Leagues now, right? You've got 40 sports and you know, thousand student athletes, and you're trying to do that for for thousand student athletes who are taking their academics quite frankly uh mm -hmm. probably more seriously than than anyone else in the country um and so when you think about the student athlete enhancement piece and you know I, i'll mention in that uh you know co-authoring a book on student athlete success and transition you know it the transition part is is such a hot button right for a lot of student athletes a lot of people in the industry where um you know you're trying to prepare them for that next step in life in in that the experience is going to prepare them, but they've got to take 
advantage of the experience. What are some of the things that you do in, in that in that part of the business to try and help prepare the student athletes for uh, what comes after? And you know, you know whether it's whether it's going pro or not, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's something that eventually is going to happen one way or another, and that transition is going to happen for everyone. Just as uh, you know, you even transition yourself right from from mm-hmm. coaching into the academic side. Yep. No, Jake, the, uh, that's a great point, what you bring about the transition. It is a huge piece for our student-athletes. And, and they all, like you said, they all have to transition from sport to their life afterwards at some point. I mean, unless you're Tom Brady and keep playing forever, you know, somebody, you have to make, you're going to have to make that transition. And it really starts with their first year when they get on campus with us. Um, and our student-athlete enhancement, Valerie Flanoy, who oversees our um, the personal development side of that, has groups where they, they meet with the freshmen and, and they start talking about their, you know, what it means, you know, what is their identity, and really trying to help them establish, because for many of these kids, especially at this level, they've been playing their sport probably since they're like five, six, maybe even seven years old, and they've been playing for so long, and what's even more amazing is when you ask them, okay, who's had a summer job? Mm-hmm. Not many hands get raised in the room because they've been traveling, they've been playing travel ball or doing stuff in the summer to continue with their sport, and not many of them have summer jobs. And so that's all they know. And that's what their identity is. They recognize themselves as, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Tim, you know, I'm Tim the student athlete, I'm Tim the football player, I'm Susie the basketball player, you know, whatever it is. And, and they don't know, realize that they have a whole nother side of themselves sometimes that they've kind of almost in a sense neglected for the past couple of years as they were growing up and developing. And our role when they get here is to help them, for, is to find that other side to themselves and everything. And like I said, it starts with their freshman year, talking about identity about other things that they can do. And then as they progress along, teaching those life skills, but to help them get ready to help identify what is it that you're passionate about, you know, and if it is that, and it could be your sport, and maybe like you mentioned, you know, you're not going to go pro in that sport, such as myself. I loved athletics and I knew I wasn't going to, but I knew I wasn't going to play much less at this level or much less in, in the professional level, but identifying what is it that you love? And then is there a way that you can find a, you know, a role in that industry? Um, and it may not be athletics, it might be in marketing, it might be in business, it might be in engineering, it could be in anything, it could be in, in broadcasting, but finding what that passion is and then trying to help find opportunities to develop it. It's tough sometimes, you know, and not just for student athletes, but for all students, is you know, when you come to University of Florida, you think you want to do something, but then you get so far down the road and now all of a sudden you're kind of stuck in a certain major and you're like, okay, it's too late for me to switch at this point because either A, if you're a student athlete, you might be worried about NC eligibility requirements, or B, if you're not a student athlete, mom and dad are saying, no, you, you can't change majors at this point. We don't got the money. You need to go ahead and finish up and get out and everything. Um, but you can find opportunities and everything. And that's where our career services piece comes into play. We're helping, you know, we do summer internship programs where um, we'll have up to about 20 student athletes in the summer that do five hours a week and where they get, um, I'm sorry, 10 hours a week where they're doing um, oh gosh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank because this summer, unfortunately, we had to cancel because of the pandemic. It's more than 10 hours a week. It's, they're doing five hours a day. So they're doing for four days. So they're doing 20 hours a week at this local business here in town. And on Fridays, they meet with us for an hour and a half, hour, hour and a half. And we're just doing professional development, networking skills, resume, um, building, a, you know, how to use social media in their profession. And what's been really unique, been great about that is we have some student athletes, like I said, they're, they're majoring in one thing, but they really want to go into um, marketing or into somehow into social media and, the, and entrepreneurship. And, 
and they're fine, and we're finding those opportunities for them here in Gainesville to get experience in that area, and it helps reaffirm them. Um, we had two young men who wanted to go into nursing once they finished their sport, and they, and I'll never forget, we're sitting there at that second Friday, and it's the second week of the internship program, and they come in, and they're sharing, we're kind of going around and talk about experiences, and one said, I know this is exact, I, you know, I've got, I've confirmed now, this is what I want to do, I want to go into nursing, so we're like, well, what confirmed that for you? And he was doing nursing. They were kind of observing and doing something in the emergency room. He said, well, I was there and someone died in the room. And our room, of course, the room got real quiet. And he's kind of, well, why did that confirm it for you? He said, well, just the stress and seeing how everybody was interacting with and working with each other. Yes, I mean, it was a terrible experience in that regards. But at the same time, it just affirmed to me, this is where I want to be. I want to help people in this way and everything. And so it was just a powerful moment for that young man just to realize, okay, this is what I want to do. And knowing that, okay, when I graduate, I want to go on and get, get a nursing degree and, and do that for a living. So helping student athletes realize that they can find those areas in their life that are outside of sport when sport's done, that they got a whole nother life that they can live. And the next big key then is, is learning what are those skills that they've taken as a student athlete. A lot of those are transferable to when they go on. You know, their competitiveness, being able to take criticism, um, getting knocked down but getting back up again and pursuing and continuing until they get the job done. Um, those are all transferable skills that a lot of employers like to see. Well, and you talk about this, the transferable skills, which is a great point, but it's one of those that as a student athlete, you probably just don't realize it, or at least at least a lot of them don't in the sense that, you know, you know, being a former student athlete, right, and yourself and, and myself where you've got all these skills, you're grinding every day, you're going to practice, you're going to class, you're not even thinking about all the skills that you're acquiring, but then when someone sits down and tells you, hey, these are the skills that you have, and here are some examples, or let's talk through some examples, then all of a sudden, you know, the, the, the light bulbs start to go off, right, of, mm-hmm. oh, wow, you're right, I do have this, or I do have that, or this is, this is something I'm really good at, um, but you mentioned, you know, finding your passions, and I've got to imagine that you took some of the experiences of transitioning from coach to academic setting or working in athletics. Um, you know, that probably was a difficult transition, right? Because you went from playing in college to coaching. And then, I mean, if you're not on, on the court, uh, you kind of, your identity is hooked to that. Right. And so how do you use that experience to help some of your student athletes? That's a good point. Um, I'll share with them. Cause when, especially, for some of them, it doesn't hit till usually you know, that senior year. All of a sudden, that first that fall semester's coming to an end, and they come back after the break, and all of a sudden, they're like, oh, boy, I'm, I'm graduating here this, this spring. What am I going to do? And, and you've been talking with them, but now it's like it's real. It's out there. And now all of a sudden, okay, yeah, this is it, this semester. And, and just sharing with them that, you know, not necessarily your first job, first of all, is not going to be your last job. And that, you know, what you get into doesn't mean you're going to be doing that for the rest of your life, but you want to pursue something that, you, that you're passionate about and that you want to get into. Um, and I share that experience with them saying, you know, when I first got into coaching, that's what I wanted to do. And I was passionate about it. And, and I never felt like I worked a day in my life. I mean, I can remember times when, especially in a basketball season, you had, you're traveling and playing games on Thanksgiving Day. I can remember traveling back home and back to campus and having practice that night on Christmas night. Um, just over the holidays and so forth and there's just there's a lot of things you give up but at the same time it never felt like a job and so I shared with them and then I also share with them like what you mentioned when I made that transition it was hard at first you know that first year making that adjustment as a counselor 
it was different and I wasn't on the floor competing or looking for that next game and, and, and getting that thrill of getting that victory and knowing that we prepared for it and, and accomplished it. And I remember, at the, and it was really hard come March, that first March when the NCAA tournament rolled around and everything, you know, just, you just get so excited when that comes around just to, even when I was in my assistant jobs, when I was working at small schools, because no matter how bad your season was, you knew, hey, if we can string together three games here in the conference tournament, we can go to the big dance. Um, my wife liked to point out to me, though, when I told her I was missing it that first time, she said, you haven't been in the tournament in the last five years. I mean, you're coaching, so I don't know why you miss it now. And uh, so I said, that's true. Good point. <laughs> um, but sharing that with my student athletes, said, you know, hey, it took an adjustment, but realizing then, wait a minute, this is similar. You know, there are victories here in this profession. You know, helping seeing that light bulb come on for a student athlete that also realizes what their passion is or someone that's pursuing something. I can think of a young lady who I was working with that she wanted, she wanted to be a school teacher and she was hoping like to get into the elementary ed program at Illinois and it was competitive. And I'll never forget the day when she got her acceptance, you know, after the end of her sophomore year, because there you applied at the end of your sophomore year. And she was so fired up and just to see that joy. And so, I mean, realizing, you know, there are victories out there. There are W's that you're used to seeing in your sport. They're just in a different, you just got to look at it in a different light. And it's just in a different way. No, that's a great analogy. And, and certainly a lot going on in, in your world, uh, as there's many student athletes who are making that transition, um, you know, into the working world. And, and for those who, you know, maybe want to work in sports, right? Because that is their passion. Uh, and they, they see that as part of their identity uh, and going into the world that you live in. What are some of the things that you're going to see change over the next, you know, year to three years in, in your part of the industry uh, as, you know, either A, there's more support uh, from a financial standpoint at the athletic department level uh, and or less. Um, and, you know, where uh, some of the things that can be done a little bit more easy, easily uh, and, you know, not as robust or, um, you know, where, where are some of the, the insights going from uh, the academic support side? You know, on the, our side, it's one area where, they, where athletic departments, particularly power five level, they don't want to cut back. You know, right now we're facing this pandemic and everybody's uncertain of the near future or what our revenues are going to look like. And, and there's a lot of uncertainty and you can see it and you see in the paper, a lot of schools are, some are cutting programs, some are already go ahead and taking pay cuts across the board and everything. But the one area that you, that I, you won't see cuts is in the academic support you know, or, the, or in the athletic training. I mean, because those are important areas. That's about the well-being of the student athlete. And you'll cut other areas first before you do that because you want to make sure that you provide, you know, as our motto is here at the University of Florida, a championship experience with integrity. And to do that, you got to take care of your student athletes in all ways, whether it's academically um, or their physical well-being. Um, what opportunities that will come up for young people getting into this industry in particular is um, you see more and more GA spots being created, um, graduate assistant positions, and then even post-bac or post-grad positions, you know, that right after you finish your master's. Um, when I arrived here, we had at that time two GA positions that it's kind of a, they kind of did a, they were kind of a jack of all trades. They kind of did a lot of different things for people in the office. And then we also had one post-grad, you know, someone that already finished their master's but was with us for one year and they would work specifically in student athlete enhancement. And with the staff, I sat down and we were reviewing the budget towards the end of my first year. And, and we saw a way that if we shifted some money around, we could really develop hopefully a, a, not only just a larger um, intern type positions, 
but one that could hopefully be a, not only a model for the rest of the country, but one that could provide opportunities for young professionals wanting to get into this industry to get their experience and then go out into the world and, and get those opportunities full time. And so we did it slowly and we added a little bit at a time, but and now this year is the first time we're at, so it was a three year plan. And now we're at the point where it's, this is the first year of being full effect, but we'll have eight interns. And you know, when I say interns, it's the same thing as a graduate assistant. They're all pursuing a master's degree, except for one, she's actually pursuing her doctorate. Um, she'll be with us for one year, but they're working in those three different areas. So we have two of them that are working at, you know, learning the ropes and becoming an academic advisor. And then we have four of them that are learning the ropes and learning how to become a learning specialist. And then we have uh, two of them that are also learning, or three of them that are learning the ropes of how to work in student athlete enhancement and everything, what that program entails and everything. So trying to provide those opportunities and they're not just there to make copies and do those things. I mean, we want them to be involved and they're, you know, they're advisors, they're getting assigned students and, and they're, getting, they're working with them and, and working in that role to help get that experience. You know, if they're in student athlete enhancement, they're helping with the program and leading the program once they're ready. And the same with the, with the assistant learning specialist that they're working with student athletes and helping them get, um, get over the challenges that they face academically and being prepared so when they leave here, they can go get full-time jobs. Yeah, you mentioned obviously not getting any cuts to, to that part um, of you know, the, the department in the sense of the importance of the student athlete wealth or you know, wellness and, and health. Um, when you think about your journey and trying to separate yourself and getting that doctorate degree, Obviously, there's going to be, to your point, positions that come up, GA positions that come up. What can students uh, or and or former student athletes do to separate themselves to get into this part of the industry? Um, and what's maybe one thing that you would talk about from a passion point perspective that a student uh, or a person must have to work in in your part? I'm not as smart as these kids, Jake at this level. I mean, I'm always amazed by student athletes. So I'm gonna have to come back because I probably won't remember what that second question was and everything, but I'll address that first question. Um, gosh, I've already forgot what the first question was. What was the first part again? First part was what, uh, what can they do to separate themselves? You separate went themselves, to yes. um, You know, when you're coming out of your undergrad, the biggest thing is, you know, you might find a job coming out and get a full-time position, but it's, it's tough. And but there's a lot more opportunities for you um, probably on the graduate assistant side. And so you got an opportunity maybe to get your master's degree and you know, get in sport management or, or in something in that area that's relative um, and related. And you'll see those opportunities posted. But first things you got to do is you want to make sure, you know, because when you're applying to grad programs, more likely you're going to have letters of recommendation. So make sure you've built some connections and some relationships with your professors while you're finishing up your undergrad so that you'll have people ready to write letters of rec for you. Um, and as a student athlete goes, or anybody that matter, wants to get in this profession in the sport and industry, it's not rocket science. You know, none of the stuff that we're doing here is like, whoa, um, and stuff that's just like way above your head or anything like that. It's just, it's really all about relationships. And so if you got any opportunities to go out and volunteer and get involved, do it, especially as an undergrad, you know, if you can get experience, you know, if you want to be in media relations and, and so forth, and you know, go volunteer, see if you can do stuff to help at games. And you know, it might even be just something as simple as passing out the stats and everything. I, I, I see it at basketball games all the time where kids are coming around and they're handing out stats along press row and everything, but it gets your foot in the door. And, and really all this profession is about is having the relationship and having a good reputation. If people see how hard you're willing to work, because our industry is one that's not typical all the times. So we're not always a nine to five 
industry, you know, a lot of times there might be games at night on the weekends, travel. If people see that you're willing to work, then they'll be willing to recommend you for things. So the second part of the question was, what's the one thing from a passion point standpoint that you have to have working in your space to, and, and work in it from a sustainability perspective long-term? Working academic specifically? Yeah. Yeah. You have to enjoy working with people and you have to have patience. Um, your passion has to be people because that's what you're doing on a day-to-day basis is you're working with student athletes and you're dealing with a lot of different personalities and you're dealing with kids from a lot of different places and everything. And so, and it's, but it's also rewarding because I mean, it keeps you young when you're around student at, when you're around students all the time, just because it, it keeps you fresh with all the latest lingo and, and so forth and trends, but also it just gives you an opportunity to be around young people and, and see what their dreams are and to help them pursue those can be really motivating and inspire you to keep going and do it on a day-to-day basis. I mean, we have three people on our staff right now that have been doing it for over 30 years. I got one that's going into her 40th year, um, another one that's been with us for 35 years, and another one's coming up on 35 years. And that's just rare. You don't see that a lot in our industry. But then we also have two other people on our staff that have been doing it for over 20 years. And then just keeps going down the line there. So, I mean, there's obviously something great going on in regards to that long before I got here, but people that love doing it because they love working with students and particularly student athletes. I mean, you gotta be passionate about working with people. Um, you know, and the other piece I think is important for you is you gotta be patient. And because like I said, sometimes the light comes on sooner than it does for others and everything you need. You just gotta be patient with that part. Patience and people, uh, definitely two, two skills uh, and two things that you probably gotta enjoy with, with a lot of jobs. But, you know, as you think about your time in, in Gator Nation and, uh, you mentioned staying young, uh, staying around the, the latest lingo. What's the one thing, as we wrap up this episode, the one thing that surprised you where a student athlete has stumped you and, and you're just like, what is that? Oh, gosh. Um, well, I didn't know what TikTok was. I had no idea what that was. I didn't have, this wasn't from a student athlete. This was from a coworker, um, Katie Christensen, who's over at, she's an advisor at South Carolina now and student athletes. And uh, she told me about this thing called Snapchat. And she tried to get me on it when it was first started. And I looked at it and I was like, no, this makes no sense to me. Um, so all those things, the social media part is probably the part that I've been left behind on. Um, I realize how important it is. And I realize how great it can be to help build a lot of different things to get your message out, to build brands and so forth and everything. But I, I, this, I'm an old dog. I've gotten left behind in that. But I, I just try to push our younger people on the staff that kind of help develop that for us and everything. And, and then just kind of, mentioned to the student athletes, hey, that's something that can help you. So make sure you're using it as a tool that's positive for you. That's right. Make sure you use it in the right way. Uh, mm-hmm. Positive uh, and don't ever post anything that can get you in trouble, right? That's, that's <laughs> yeah. the biggest part. Um, Jeff, uh, really appreciate your time on uh, today's Sports Business Insights from the Gator Nation uh, with the University of Florida's sports management program. Appreciate your time and insights on the academic side of, of athletics. Thanks, Jake. It's a pleasure having you or being on the show.